So good to be back in the house of worship tonight. And uh, I want to say on the behalf of my wife uh, and of myself that we are uh, have thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. And uh, yes, uh, we would have liked to have extended the stay, but I think there's a lot of circumstances many of us are unsure of. And uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. I am supposed to be in Virginia this weekend. And uh, I'm not sure if that's going to unfold or not. We're just taking it day by day. However, we are here tonight. Amen. We are here tonight. And uh, we are trying to get home. We've already had one flight canceled. And we've had to rebook. And so uh, we're just keeping our fingers crossed and hoping that we don't get hung up somewhere between here and, and uh, Illinois where we're going back for a few days. But I do want to say that I sincerely appreciate Pastor and Sister Bradford. We love them very deeply, as well as their two children, Peyton and Paisley, two young people that I believe serve as a model for other young people. You're blessed tonight to have a pastor and his family that show forth the example of truth and righteousness to you. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah, and uh, have also enjoyed the fellowship of Bishop and uh, Sister Frost and uh, all of his dry, corny jokes. I've enjoyed all of them. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> I know most of y'all haven't heard him, so just hang around a while. He'll tell you. But it's been a delight to be here. And uh, we, we are living in very uncertain times. Uh, things unfolding that we never dreamed would unfold. I, spending some time today in the sanctuary, I prayed for the pastors of the apostolic movement all over this country who are having to make decisions that they never thought they would have to make. And uh, they are traveling down a, uh, a path that uh, they're just trying to feel their way to make the right decisions. And I know your pastor has uh, thought long and hard and prayed uh, for the wisdom of God in knowing how to deal with the current uh, situation. And uh, so uh, we need to trust the man of God that, that he's doing what he feels is right, whatever that is. And, um, and believe God. I feel that um, uh, what, I, what I'm bringing to the pulpit tonight, on the one hand, it may actually sound negative, but it's really not. Uh, it, it really is a word, I trust, of encouragement and strength for all of us that are here tonight, especially in times like these. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, go with us to the book of Judges 18. Now, the chapter I'm reading from is one of those very, very unusual chapters uh, in the Scripture. There is a story that is told uh, in this chapter that when I read it, I have to, well, I just tell you, I scratch my head and I wonder why it's even in the Bible. 
because it's one of those stories that just seems like a misfit. It don't even seem like when you read it that it has any overwhelming uh, deep spiritual truths or meaning. And so I'm actually doing something tonight that, uh, that I don't normally do because as a general rule, when I'm preaching, I like to deal with the context in which um, a, a scripture or a verse is read or we take our text from. Uh, and so I'm not going to deal with the context. I'm going to deal with some things that I see in these verses that I think will be a help and a blessing to us tonight. So I'm going to read verse 7, and then I'm going to drop down to verse 27 and verse 28. Judges 18 and 7. Then the five men departed and came to Laish and saw the people that were therein, how they dwelt careless after the manner of the Zidonians, quiet and secure. And there was no magistrate in the land that might put them to shame in anything. And they were far from the Zidonians and had no business with any man. Now, if you go down to verse number 27, it said, And they took the things which Micah had made and the priest which he had and came unto Laish unto a people that were at quiet and secure. And they smote them with the edge of the sword and burnt the city with fire. And there was no deliverer because it was far from Zidon and they had no business with any man. And it was in the valley that lieth by Bethrehob and they built a city and dwelt therein. So for a few minutes tonight, I want to preach to you, teach whatever this unfolds as on this subject, too far away. Amen. Too far away. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Again, I can't really reference the story where uh, these verses are found because if I tried to describe the story, it wouldn't really make sense with what I want to communicate. And plus, I do not want to take a great deal of time because I know your pastor has things that he wants to uh, discuss with you here tonight before we leave. So let me just very likely give you just the Reader's Digest version tonight. Amen. Uh, it won't be the unabridged. It'll just be the abridged version of this. But we are reading tonight in verse number 7 about a people that lived in a place called Laish, the men of Laish. When you read verse number 7, it talks about how that these people moved to an area where no one else was very close to them. They were a long ways from anybody, and they had no business with any man. And if you look at verse number 7 again, 
uh, it said that these people of Laish, that they dwelt careless after the manner of the Zidonians. And so what it appears is that when these men found them a new place, that they decided that they would use the people of Zidon as their pattern. They chose to live in the same fashion that they did. They wanted to use them as their model. Now, apparently, the Zidonians also lived uh, like alone or by themselves. So that would be one of the patterns or one of the models that they used for themselves. So they decided to go a great distance from anybody else and they would establish their own life and their own lifestyle. I really think tonight that it's absolutely vital who we choose to model our life after, who we choose to pattern ourselves after. If you're a young man, you're a young lady here tonight, don't model yourself after the world. Don't pattern yourself uh, after London or Paris or New York or Los Angeles or whatever, uh, whatever uh, fashion capital uh, that you might be looking at. You need to look around you and find people that have been faithful living for God, who have been consistent in their walk with God, and ask yourself the question, what made them successful? What made them have the ability to persevere even through questionable times and even through hard times? And so I believe that it's important that we choose who we pattern ourselves and our life after. So one of the things that these men of Laish determined is that we're going to dwell like the Zidonians dwell. We are going uh, uh, to dwell in a careless manner. And I really feel like uh, that that is a, that, that a symptom of the times that we're living in tonight. Uh, it's a time where so many people uh, have become very careless in their relationship with God, have become very careless in their walk with God. Can I tell you tonight that you cannot be too careful in, with your soul. You cannot be too careful with your walk with God. You cannot be too sensitive about your spirituality. I don't care what people say about you. It doesn't matter. They can call you a holy Joe. They can call you sanctified. But you need to realize you have a soul that is going to live forever somewhere. Now, it might be your current situation you're dealing with, but that's only a temporal situation. And, and what we're dealing with as a nation right now and as a world, that is only a temporal situation. But my soul is an eternal situation. And I am far more concerned tonight about the state of my soul than even the state of my body. And I'm far more concerned about the state of my soul than the state of my world around me. I don't know how you feel tonight, but I want to be saved. Amen. Whenever all of this is over with, I still want to be saved. When, when COVID-19 has already passed and it's a distant memory, I still want to have the Holy Ghost. I still want to be living for God. I still want to be walking with God. That's right, praise him, hallelujah. 
I find the book of Nehemiah chapter 7 and verse number 3 that after the walls of Jerusalem were built, there were things that were going on. There were, there were people coming in the city, people leaving the city, and they didn't really know uh, who was coming and who was going. And so Nehemiah established uh, some criteria about who was going to get in the city and when they could get in the city. And here's what he said to Israel and the leaders of that time. He said, I said unto them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot. And while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them and appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, even one in his watch and every one to be over against his house. If you'll notice what Nehemiah said, he, he was addressing a, a situation that, that needed to be addressed where Jerusalem was concerned because there were people that were the enemies of the people of God that were lurking outside of the gate of Jerusalem. And he made this declaration. He said, I do not want you to open the gates of this city until the sun be hot. Now, there's a reason for that. In the early morning hours, the mist that covers the ground and, and the fog of the early morning, it's hard to look from the wall and see uh, the faces of people and determine uh, whether or not they have uh, uh, got plans that are negative to the welfare of the city. You can't really tell it until the sun has got hot enough that it's burned off the fog and it's made uh, the ability of the, of the watchman to see much more clearly. Can I just kind of interject something here? Don't put too much pressure on your pastor to embrace things of our current generation whenever the sun is not hot enough yet to burn off all the fog around that issue. The, oh, glory to God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this right now. Amen. Don't, don't put the pressure on him to open the door of the church, to open the gates of the city and embrace that and allow it to become a part of who we are until he's had a chance to look at it with a clear vision, with clear eyes and understand whether or not this that we're embracing is going to be detrimental or not. I would rather not have something that may not be detrimental than to embrace something too quickly that shows ultimately that it was a bad decision. Can you clap your hands and praise him? Hallelujah. <laughs> Nehemiah said, don't open those gates too quick. Yeah, but you don't understand. Everybody else around, all the other cities open their gates at 6 o'clock. That's all right. That's this, that, they're not Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem. Amen. Well, everybody else says that this is when it ought to be open and this is what we ought to allow inside the gates. That's right. That's everybody else. But that's not Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem we're talking about. And this is the church that we're talking about tonight. Because if there's anything we don't want, we don't want something among us that is ultimately going to destroy us. Oh, Hallelujah. We've done without television this long. We can make it the rest of the way. 
We made it this long without Hollywood. We still don't need them tonight. We can still survive without them. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Thank you. Praise God. So sometimes you need to wait till the sun gets hot. Sometimes you need to wait till the fog that, that obscures the clarity of vision. Amen. Let all of that pass before the decision is made. And so I, I, I feel tonight that we need to understand that we cannot live in a careless manner. Hallelujah. This is one of the things that scares me about social media. And, and I know that I'm not addressing something that your pastor has not already addressed. But that's one of the things that scares me because there's a carelessness about social media. There's a tearing down of walls that we used to never allow being torn down. There's an acceptance of things that we used to never allow as an accepted thing among us. And that's why while, while I may have an Instagram account, I, you know, I told somebody the other day, I said, don't get upset at me if I, if I block you. I said, listen, you got to understand something. I, I didn't follow you. I didn't follow you whenever we didn't have Instagram. When you backslid and you walked out on God and you started going to the beach and you started wearing your, your, your bikinis and your swimming trunks or whatever else, I didn't follow you then, and I'm not going to follow you now. Well, it got quiet all of a sudden. Amen. Somebody said, what, what does that have to do with what you're preaching? Because I want to be careful with my walk with God. I want to be careful with my relationship with God. I don't want to live in a careless manner. I don't want to just have an attitude. Well, it just really doesn't matter anymore. It does matter because I want to be saved. Amen. Second thing that they said we're going to use as a pattern, they had no magistrate. There was no authority among the Zidonians. And so we're going to adopt that mentality that we want no magistrate. We do not want anyone condemning us. We don't want anyone calling us out. We don't want anybody telling us when we've done wrong. We don't want anybody giving us any kind of guidelines, any kind of rules or regulations. We want to live our life without any authority. I'm going to tell you tonight, Prim, that this is a preacher standing before you tonight that knows the importance of authority. Amen. We've got to have authority in our life. We've got to have the authority of the word of God, the law of God. We need the voice of authority in the ministry. We need somebody that when they see the lion come and the bear come and Goliath come, that they call them out on every situation to protect our walk with God, to protect our relationship with God we must have authority we must have somebody that can draw the line somebody that can tell us where the mountain starts somebody that can tell us where the fences ought to be amen but here's the one I want to take just a few minutes on tonight and that is where it said in the latter part of verse number 7 it said they were far from the Zidonians and they had no business with any man. This to me was the greatest danger of all. It's because that they lived so far from anybody else. They had no allies. They had no one that they could lean on. They had no one that they could call on. 
They were so far from everybody else that they felt that they were dwelling in a safe place and in a secure place and that they really didn't have anything to worry about. But they forgot that whenever you are attacked, what you need is an ally. And whenever you are facing a battle, you need somebody to help you fight that battle. Amen. You need somebody that will join with you. I find the preacher in Ecclesiastes saying two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. What he's telling us is that you've got to have somebody walking with you. You need an ally. You need somebody to stand with you. Somebody close. Oh, glory to God. Don't move so far away from the church. I'm not talking about miles in distance. I'm talking about from the mental standpoint, the mind standpoint, that you start feeling like, I can do this without the church. I can do this without the ministry. You can't make it without allies. You can't make it without help. You can't make it without somebody holding your hand up. What happens if you fall and you're by yourself? You can't get back up by yourself. You need somebody that says, come on, get back up. I'm here to help you. I'm here to pray with you. I'm here to strengthen you. Hallelujah. Amen. We need somebody. A threefold cord, he said, it's not easily broken. When there's a weaving of your life with the church and the word of God and the ministry, different aspects, amen, there's a strengthening there that cannot be easily destroyed by the powers of hell. And so I say it again tonight, you can't move too far away. You got to stay close. I'm going to preach just a few minutes here tonight. My subject is too far away. You can't get too far away. You never, you ought not to move to such a place where that you're unaffected by the word of God. You're unaffected by the preaching of the word. You're unaffected by the counsel of your pastor. You're unaffected by the counsel of your parents or your grandparents. Or you're unaffected by the help that anybody wants to give because you're so far away that there's no real true help for you dangerous place to be in amen why is it so dangerous because read it it said that there came a time that Laish was attacked amen they were they were they were attacked from the outside and it said that that whenever they were attacked it said there was no deliverer because it was far from Zidon and they had no business. The very people that they used as their model, as their example, couldn't even come to help them because it was too far away. You see, that's the problem sometimes. When you use the wrong individual, the wrong pattern for your life, you can reach a point where that when you get in trouble, there's nobody there to help you because you've distanced yourself. You've gotten yourself in a position where you're too far away from everybody else and whenever you start crying, they can't hear your cry. Hallelujah. I, I read an article and uh, this was way back in the 90s is when this article was written. 
and I found it quite interesting. It said, from the deft maneuvers of startlings to the symmetrical V-shaped formations of Canada geese and the seemingly chaotic game flight of cedar wax wings, flocking birds are one of nature's oldest and most confounding mysteries. It was probably around 20 centuries ago that a man by the name of Pliny the Elder, he was a Roman naturalist. He theorized that geese fly in a pointed formation to make the going easier. But it was not until 1970 that researchers came up with the first detailed mathematical calculations of the aerodynamics of the flock. A man by the name of Lissaman and another man by the name of Schollenberger at the California Institute of Technology estimated that a bird could fly as much as 70% farther by joining in a V formation and placing itself in the rising air currents streaming off the wings of its neighbors. What is it telling us? It's just simply telling us when you're flying with the flock, you can fly a whole lot further. You can't fly near as far by yourself in this as you can when you're flying with the church. When you're flying, oh glory to God, when you're flying with the saints, when you're flying with the church, you can fly further. Amen. You know, someone said one time, said, oh, anybody can shout whenever they're with the crowd. Amen. It really takes somebody that's got the real victory to shout by themselves. Well, Amen. That's, I guess, good on one hand. But the reality is that what, that's, that's what this whole business of worship is all about. Anybody can shout whenever everybody is shouting because that's what happens to us. When the Holy Ghost starts moving on one of us, it starts moving on two of us. And when three or four of us begin to take up and begin to move in the Holy Ghost, everybody else joins in. Yeah, it's a lot easier to shout when the church is shouting because that's the way it's supposed to be. I said, that's the way it's supposed to be. That when the church begins to praise God, it makes it a lot easier for you to be able to praise him. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I've been to church when I couldn't only put one foot in front of another. But when the church began to worship, I caught the draft off of their wings. I caught the flow of the Spirit out of their soul, and it lifted me up. And I suddenly found myself encouraged. Can you give me some more monitor? Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I found myself being encouraged. I found myself being strengthened. I found myself moving further. I found myself, when I went home, I realized I had flown a whole lot further in that church service that night than what I could have flown by myself. I'm sure glad I went to get with the flock. I said, I'm sure glad I got with the flock. Hallelujah. I'm just gonna tell you, whenever you're discouraged, don't stay out of church. Come to church. Don't lay out, don't lay out whenever you're struggling. Get in the house of God because when you get here and the flock begins to fly and the Holy Ghost begins to operate. My, 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 my. They made this statement. They said that even birds that don't fly in Vs may gain 
an aerodynamic advantage. For example, individual birds within migrating flocks of western gulls follow one another into updrafts where they can get more lift and make better headway. Instead of using up energy, they said, by flapping their wings, the birds rise and coast. And so it's just simply a good example here to tell us that whenever somebody in the church somehow gets plugged in, Amen. They start rising in the spirit. They start moving higher. Amen. That, that there's, there's something created in their worship that it begins to move to the person by them and the person behind them. And then it's not long, it moves across the aisle. And then over here, because suddenly people feel that lift. Amen. I said they feel that Holy Ghost lift. Have you been there? You know what I'm talking about. You feel that lift because it's the crowd, it's the church that's suddenly working together. And while one's rising, he's pulling another one up. That's why you should never, ever fail in your worship. You don't know when you're going to pull somebody up beside you. You don't know when you're going to encourage somebody. Somebody shout hallelujah. Yeah, man, let me, let me just say this. I, I understand. I understand with the times that we're living in. I understand with what's going on right now across America and here in California. We don't know exactly uh, how many times uh, we're going to have the privilege of getting together, but I'm still preaching this tonight because I believe it's important that we realize we can't get too far from the flock. Amen. If you're praying and God lays somebody on your heart, get on the phone and call them. You might give them a lift. You you might help them from their despair. You may help them and encourage them. Amen. Amen. Pastor had asked me to meet him at a restaurant today, and when he walks in the door of the restaurant, they said, sorry, we just shut down, and it's only going to be carry out from now on. He has to call me up and say, we're going somewhere else to have dinner this afternoon. What are you saying, preacher? There's people losing their jobs. There's people that's having to deal with financial difficulties that they didn't even know they were going to have to deal with three weeks ago. There's people facing circumstances that they don't know what they're going to do about. Why? What do we need? We need saints that know how to lift up one another. Saints that know how to pray in the spirit. Saints that know how to get a hold of God and begin to create an updraft. Amen. I trust you'll forgive me, but I'm going to tell you right now, our president is not our answer. Our congress is not our answer. Our governor is not our answer. Our answer is our God. Our answer is our God. Our answer is the only one that can lift us up in times of great distress. Lord, I feel Holy Ghost right now. Let's clap our hands and praise him again. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, don't get too far away. I said, don't get too far away. 
I believe that we ought to be so careful right now during this time because when you get too far away, that's when you're the most vulnerable. You're most vulnerable by the attack of hell. You're most vulnerable by the attacks of unbelief and by fear and doubts. And, and what am I going to do? Stay close. Get close to the flock. Anytime you got a chance to pray with somebody, pray with them. Anytime you got a chance to get on the phone and encourage somebody, get on the phone and encourage them because we're going to make it. I said we're going to make it. Woo, hallelujah. Come on, we serve the same God that rolled back the waters of the Red Sea, that divided Jordan's river, that rained manna down from heaven for 40 years in the wilderness. We saved us. Woo. Hallelujah. The church survived the lion's den. The church, oh glory to God. They survived, they survived the fiery furnace. They survived the prisons. And the church is gonna survive coronavirus. Praise the Lord. But with all the efforts that's being made to try to prevent and mitigate, we got to remember we can't get too far away. Amen. Quickly, let me just, I'm going to try to wrap it up here in a few minutes. But notice, in that same article, it said that colonies of tricolored blackbirds in California's Central Valley often fly in long, linear tornado-like swirls, thousands at a time. It's extending uh, like a tentacle from the roost to the foraging area. And it said that kind of behavior will help an individual bird to find the food. So they've got that long linear circle or that that, that, that flock of birds that's just a big black line of birds that are that from where they stayed the night before they have found a place they can forage they have found a place where there's food and said, said that if you stay with the flock amen that it can help you as an individual to know where you ought to be feeding and know what you ought to be feeding on you see oh glory to God help me Jesus I got uh, there's so many things coming to my mind right now I'm just going to tell you we got to be careful if we put if we get put in a position where that we're spending a lot of time alone you're going to have to be careful what you're feeding on you're going to have to be careful what you sustain yourself with help me Jesus hallelujah amen then it finally said this it said that the most highly most widely accepted hypothesis for cluster flocking is that it provides protection against predators. It said countless observations support this theory. They report that a flock of starlings will close ranks and ball up in the air when attacked by a peregrine falcon. This balling up may make it more difficult for the falcon to call a single starling for its dinner. It also said that Cooper hawks, Cooper's hawks have been observed to attack a flock of about 25 wax wings. 
And in 10 minutes, the hawk made five sorties at the wax wings, which were flying in a random strung out pattern. But every time the hawk attacked, the wax wings bunched together and the hawk veered off. Eventually, the frustrated and dinnerless predator gave up. The point being, amen, that your greatest danger in, in, in being separate from the flock is you can be picked off by hell. Amen. You can find yourself being the dinner of the predator that doesn't want you to be saved. Amen. The other side of that story is that when we as a church, when we as a body see the attack coming, we got to bunch up one more time. And then right now, I said right now, I understand that we're supposed to be going through what do they call that social distancing. I'm not talking about the physical aspect right now. I'm talking about a spiritual aspect. This is when we need to bunch up. I said, this is when we need to bunch up. This is when we need to get together. This is when we need to connect with one another. This. Because I'm telling you right now, right now's the time that the devil would like to steal some from among us. Would like to steal the weak ones. Would like to destroy the weak ones. That's why we gotta bunch up in prayer. We gotta unite in prayer. We gotta connect in prayer. We gotta stay close to one another. Maybe I should have rephrased this tonight and just called it how to deal with COVID-19. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, Amen. We got to bunch up around here. We, we, we got to let the enemy know, oh, no, 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 no. You're not stealing one of ours. I said, you're not stealing anybody from this place because we don't want to lose anybody during this time. We don't want to lose not even one soul. We don't even want to lose one young person. We don't want to use, lose one elder. Oh, hallelujah. We need to start praying, devil, you can't have my family. Devil, you can't have my church. Devil, you can't have my, whoo, you can't have our young people. Devil, you're not going to get our worship. Devil, you're not going to steal our revival. Devil, you're not going to steal what God's doing among us. Ah, oh, come on, let's praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Come on, you're my brother, you're my sister. We need to take each other by the hand in the Holy Ghost and say we're, we're binding together. We're not going to let this destroy us. We're not going to let this wipe us out. We're not going to let this bring us down. Oh, hallelujah. In fact, we ought to be saying when this thing is over with, we're coming out better. We're coming out greater. We're coming out more powerful. We're going to have a greater revival than ever before. Remain standing. Amen. Let me just some final words here. God instructed Israel 
and Moses spoke these words in Deuteronomy 19 and 1. He said, when the Lord your God has cut off the nations whose land the Lord your God gives you and you succeed them and dwell in their cities and in their houses, you shall separate three cities for you in the midst of the land which the Lord your God gives you to possess it. You shall prepare you a way and divide the coast of your land which the Lord your God gives you to inherit into three parts that every slayer may flee thither. And this is the case of the slayer which shall flee thither that he may live. Whosoever killeth his neighbor ignorantly whom he hated not in times past. So when a man goeth into the wood with his neighbor to hew wood and his hand fetcheth a stroke with the axe to cut down the tree the head slips from the helve and lights upon his neighbor that he die. He shall flee unto one of those cities and live. He said, lest the avenger of the blood pursue the slayer, notice this verse, while his heart is hot and overtake him because the way is long and slay him. Whereas he was not worthy of death inasmuch as he hated him not in the past. Here's what God was saying to Israel concerning the cities of refuge. I'm just going to kind of rephrase it. It means the same thing. He says, I want you to shorten the distance. Don't make the distance to the house of refuge, the city of refuge, so great that the man who's being pursued by his adversary is overtaken and destroyed because he can't make it to the city of refuge. Shorten the distance. That's what he was saying, shorten the distance. So he said it that they would set up three to begin with, but eventually there was many, many more cities of refuge than just the three. There were many cities of refuge in Israel. And they were for a purpose. They were a place that a person could run to when they were being pursued and their life could be saved. Amen not allow the distance to be too long. I think every one of us tonight, in times like this, we need to shorten the distance. I said we need to shorten the distance. What do you mean, Brother Bass? I'm just telling you, every chance you can be in the house of God to pray, you ought to be here to pray. Even if, it's, if, even if it comes to a point where you can't have service, you ought to be, show up and say, I'm not letting, I'm not going to let it be too far between times that I'm in the altar. Can, can, I, can I just say it like this? I, I believe we can stay at home and pray. I understand that. I do that a lot. It just depends on my circumstances. It depends on where I'm at and what's going on. But I'm just going to tell you about coming to the house of worship. There's a connection there. When you walk inside these doors, you know this is my, this is my place. This is my house. This is my city of refuge. And, and, and I'm, I'm just encouraging you tonight that in the coming days ahead that you shorten the distance between you and God. Between you and the church. Between you and your pastor. Because the further if you wait five or six days and you don't pray, you've gotten further and further away. Amen. There's one thing I don't want to happen. I don't want my relationship with God, I don't want it to be distant. I don't want to have a distant relationship so that when I do go to pray, it takes me forever to finally get in his presence again because it's been so long since I prayed before. Hallelujah. 
I'm encouraging, I'm encouraging First Pentecostal Church tonight, shorten the distance. Shorten the distance. Don't be too far away. No matter what goes on the next few, no matter what goes on the next few weeks or months, keep the distance short. Keep it short. Find a place to pray. Find a place to get in touch with God. Find a time to worship. Amen. Amen. If you can't, if you can't get in together with 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 the, with the church family, Amen. Come on to the house of God and just say, you know what? Nobody else is here, so I'm gonna shout by myself. I'm gonna dance by myself. I'm gonna worship by myself because I know somebody else is praying right now. Somebody else is getting a hold of God. Amen. Amen. Come on. Let's let's create a cluster tonight in prayer. Let's create a bonding tonight in prayer, a uniting tonight in prayer that the enemy cannot break through, that the enemy cannot get to us, that the enemy cannot destroy.